you build your life upon the Word and uh, you will never be the same. It is the most sure foundation, the most solid foundation that is existence. Uh, you want to say in the world, but people think of the earth, not even, even beyond the earth, even beyond uh, the heavens. Uh, the Word of God will last longer than anything else. Heaven and earth will pass away, he said, but my words will by no means pass away. Well, I want to say once again to you fathers out there, Happy Father's Day. We're so thankful for you. We're so grateful. Uh, we're grateful for the Father of all fathers, of course, God Himself. But we're thankful for you. And you have a significant uh, and irreplaceable place in the life of your children. Uh, your voice in the life of your children will do something in them uh, that the voice of their mother just won't do. And uh, if you're out there and maybe your father has gone on to heaven, he's not there. Do you know what? It, the Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless, uh, that if you uh, turn yourself to the kingdom and you've get, given up uh, mothers and fathers, that you'll receive a hundredfold in this life. So God will supply you with the voices that you need in your life. Uh, right now we're talking about the fathers, so the men of God that you need in your life. You know, there's a natural father and then there's a heavenly father, but the Bible also talks about spiritual fathers. Paul talked about Timothy saying, uh, I have no one like-minded who will naturally care for your state. He called him son Timothy. Uh, so Paul was a father in the faith to Timothy. So, uh, Children. You can be a father to spiritual children. You can be a father to adoptive children. Uh, but the point is, when we are fathers, what are we doing as a father? And uh, a few months ago, uh, this kind of come up while I was praying, meditating the Word. And uh, it was just this word concerning fathers, but also concerning mothers. But, uh, you know, the, the, the main, what do you call it? Uh, I want to say dart that came into me, the thing that grabbed hold of me was uh, for fathers and it's this word called engage engage and many times i don't know uh you know i have an it background so if you have an it background this might make some sense to you uh, somebody said something to me the other day and i was doing something else at the same time and i said hold on a second i just have a single threaded application i'm a single threaded application <laughs> meaning i can only kind of process one thing at a time i'll finish this then i'll come over here and process this what you want is a multi-threaded application that is really only found in females <laughs> Um, no, many men, we have, uh, I think, a gift from God, a grace from God, really to be able to intently focus on something so much so that we don't really know what you're doing. Uh, we don't know what, what's going on. Sometimes I'll be driving down the road uh, and my wife will say something to me and I'm focused on something else and, you know, she'll just say, so what do you think about that? And uh, then I kind of, my stomach gets a little tight at that moment and I'm like, oh, and I don't have a very good poker face. And so I'm like, okay, keep smiling, keep smiling. And I'm like, um, you know, Melody, I really don't know anything you just said. I have to be honest with you. I was like thinking about something else or just watching the road. And, you know, you were just background noise, uh, which she's not always excited to hear, but she's always so gracious. She'll be like, oh, God, let me say it again. Um, but sometimes you're, you focus so much on, the thing that's maybe in front of you or the thing that you're thinking about that you don't engage with your children. Well, the Bible says, um, train up a child, Proverbs 22, 6, in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. 
Amplified says, train up a child in the way he should go and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I love the Amplified translation because uh, sometimes we think we should train up a child in the way we, we think they should go. Well, uh, if it's just we thinking it and we didn't get the we think from God, then that's not the way that the Bible says to train him. Train him in the way he should go. Well, that tells me, he or she, of course, the, the young man or the young woman, that I'm going to have to look to the Lord through the Word and through asking him things in my time of prayer with him to find out for each of my, I have four children on the earth, for each of my four children here, I'm going to have to ask him, Lord, what does this one need? What is their bent? What, what, what is your call for them? What is your plan for them? And you see this in just a real practical way when you um, discipline your children. Uh, sometimes you have to speak sternly to your children, uh, especially when they're very young and maybe you're by a road where there's a bunch of traffic and they start to step out in that road and they don't understand uh, the potential dangers there. So you're like, stop, right? And um, some kids you say stop like that and they'll just stop and like oh other ones you say stop and they'll be like just crushed like what did i do i'm so sorry well they they have a little different bent right and so uh some of them you can just say words to and and they'll respond very quickly other ones uh you might need to uh what did they call it apply the rod of discipline to the seat of learning um <laughs> Uh, more often or whatever, uh, the Bible says, you know, he that uh, spares the rod hates his child. Never, we are never talking about abuse, but uh, if you didn't notice, you have extra padding back here. And so um, there, there's a, a great place that doesn't injure anyone, but you have a little sting to remind you. The Bible actually says it reminds you, <laughs> uh, hey, I did that wrong. I, I don't want to be doing that anymore. And so uh, Different children, even different adults, but when you're talking about raising children, we're talking about training them. So I don't just tell my children, this is what you need to do, just do this. No, they need, they don't know, so they need to be trained. And I think many times if you're going to train uh, an animal, a pet, maybe a dog, cats cannot be trained. Uh, I mean, God bless the cats, but... Um, uh, at least not in my experience, unless they're like a dog. Okay, uh, anyhow, I don't want you cat lovers to not love me. I love your cats. Uh, I'm thankful we have cats. Okay, um, but you train a horse. I think of a horse many times, as I did some, uh, not very much, but a few lessons with horses when I was young. And so if I want the horse to learn to do a, a lunge line, I'm going to put it in, say, like a circle ring, I have to teach it to stay out to the edge of that. I have to teach it to keep the, the right distance. And then I have to teach it its footing and its, um, I don't remember what it's called, but how their feet uh, move back and forth. If I want it to go in different directions, if I want, uh, like in dressage, uh, horse you're gonna have to like you want the horse's head to be more flat rather than out like this so I have to teach it to hold its head like this and so if I'm doing that I'm not going out saying okay now mr. horse mr. Ed let's say let's just call him mr. Ed okay mr. Ed I want you to hold your your uh, face just like this I want you to hold it flat just like that I want you to go around do everything that you're gonna do with your feet while your well your head is held flat like that all right go do it no actually I'm getting some lines that attach uh, to the bridle and I'm bringing it back and I'm showing it 
physically showing it what where its head needs to be, how to do it, and then I'm rewarding it when it does it right. And so I'm not saying our kids are animals, but what I'm telling you is, because they are God kinds, right? We are made in the likeness and the image of God. But God said in his word, we have to train them. So if I, if I see my children um, with a bad attitude, I can't just say, change your attitude, unless I have taught them how to change their attitude. Do you understand? So, in other words, I may have an expectation that's incorrect because I'm talking to them like they already have been trained and they know how to do this. Well, you know, the reality is the primary way that our children will learn is by watching their parents. So, if you're like, why are you acting that way? You might have to turn that camera around and look at yourself for just a second. Like, uh, you know, take, take, I just lost my page. Okay, take your phone and like switch the camera to face yourself. And so, uh, you have to train them. And one of the best ways to train your children is don't be afraid uh, to make mistakes in front of them, to let them know that you make mistakes. You actually need to do that. They need to hear you say, please forgive me, I was wrong. It doesn't put you under them. It actually shows them what a person and a man of godly character is. That you are quick to repent, quick to forgive, and quick to believe. That you're saying, you know what, you know, I say it to my children more often than what I would prefer. <laughs> you know, uh, daddy apologizes. Daddy shouldn't have done that. Please forgive daddy. Or dad, daddy spoke uh, too harshly. Or I'll say, you know, if it's in front of the children and maybe I said something, you know, uh, short to my wife, to Melody, I'll say, Melody, in front of my children. Uh, and if they're not there, I'll bring them back and say, you know what, uh, daddy, daddy spoke too short. That wasn't right of me. Um, that wasn't proper. And so I'm not just letting them out there like, oh, you just need to forgive, right? You just need to say it. Well, once I've trained them, I can tell them that, and as a parent, you, you kind of know like if they're really forgiving or not. You know, if they're just like mouthing the words or they're actually doing it. There is, there is a tremendous power in forgiveness. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, King James, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you forgiving even as God forgives. Think about that for just a minute. Uh, let me read Amplified while you're meditating it. And become useful and helpful and kind one to another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ has forgiven you. I love the King James. We can forgive even as God forgives. So think about that for a moment. How does God forgive? Well, is God like going to hold it against you when he forgives you? No, he's not. He's forgetting it. And the way God forgives, think about Jesus. The Bible says that he was a man subject to like passions just like us, just as we are, yet without sin. That he was, he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So, in other words, he is aware that when you need to forgive someone, your flesh doesn't want to forgive. He might not have committed the sin, but the penalty for the sin and the sin itself, he was made to be sin, came on him. So he knows exactly what it feels like uh, in every aspect of the human experience uh, to know that you need to ask forgiveness. 
and that your flesh doesn't want to do that, right? You, 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 you kind of have a, a pride thing that comes on with your flesh many times. You're like, I don't want to do that. Well, when you're talking about children forgiving, we can't just say, you know, so-and-so forgive without making sure that they understand what they're doing because they could just mouth the words like, you know, you know the little um, uh, comic picture of the little boy standing in the corner and the little blurb coming out of his mouth said, I'm standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside, right? In other words, I'm doing what you said, but my heart has not changed. And so as believers, the most significant part of who we are is our heart or our spirit. And that is where the issues of life flow from. And that's what needs to be guarded with all diligence, that we pay attention to the condition of the hearts of our children. There's the hearts of the father and the hearts of the children. And if the hearts of the father are turned to the hearts of the children, you'll have a flow from God that is a resource and, and words for you to speak and actions for you to do that you'll be able to uh, uh, speak slowly and listen with open ears, the, uh, the ears of your spirit, that you can know things that are going on in the life of your children uh, that they maybe would never tell you. Uh, God, will, God will supply you with that because He has put you in that position of authority over them. Therefore, He will supply. He's the one that instituted authority. And so we can teach our children to forgive just like God forgives with the same kind of forgiveness. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, you're only going to do that by turning to the Lord to let that forgiveness that He has given to you not just come to you and stop, but then flow through you to other people. So one of the things I think are a real key, just like one tool I want to give you today, is with your children. You need to help your children to understand when they do something that they need to ask forgiveness for, stop and think, young one, how, young girl, young boy, how do you think that made the other person feel when you did that? All right? You could say, what kind of emotions, what kind of thoughts, what do you think that, that someone else could go through with that? And they, they might say, well, uh, it wouldn't bother me. Just say, okay. But that might bother someone else. Think of what someone that has gone through this would experience. The best story I know about this right now at the moment is the story of a minister. Maybe it touches home because I'm a minister. But uh, the minister on the train where there was this father with a, a few young kids and the kids are just going crazy and wild and the father could like just zoned out, could care less what's going on. And the minister is just like this close to saying like, get a handle on your kids. What are you doing, man? And uh, then he heard the guy uh, talk to someone else and say, uh, oh, I, you know, I didn't realize my kids were doing this. Their mother just passed away. I'm kind of out of it. I don't even know what's going on. Well, so you might say, I would never let my kids do that. But have you ever had your wife die the day before? Right? So in other words, you have to, we have to teach our children to have empathy and to understand what's going on with someone else. If we don't do that, uh, they'll just like plow over other people. And if we don't teach them when they're young, hey, when you do that, it affects other people. So you need to forgive from your heart that you understand, hey, what I did had an effect that pushed other people away from the Lord, that caused all of these different emotions and feelings 
for, to them to have to deal with it. I spoke words that did not come from God. You know, you can know when someone is letting God flow through them because uh, Galatians chapter 6 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, and that fruit actually is from the recreated human spirit who's connected with God's spirit, but the fruit is on the branches, and we are the branches, and He is the vine. And so, therefore, um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? And so, those fruits, if you're experiencing someone who is not allowing those things to come out of them and they don't have that attitude flowing through them, you know immediately they are not representing God. And it may not be uh, brash and horrible, but they're still not flowing with the Lord. And so, but you know, conversely, if they are, wait a second, they're letting God flow through them. So <clears throat> this is why walking in love never fails. Because then if I'm walking in love and you know that I have your best intentions at heart, so much so that I'm going to deny myself, I'm going to not take what I may be, you know, the Bible says uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse, I think it's 5, uh, that love does not even possess the things that are its own. In other words, it may belong to me, but I choose to deny myself the right to have it or to use it so that I can love you, right? I want to love you. So that's the God kind of love. And when you direct that God kind of love in someone's direction, the barriers come down. And so uh, when I'm disciplining my children, I like to first of all come alongside them, not come like this. I come alongside them and say, hey, let's go through this together. We're going to get through this. You know, we talked in the, the series that we're in the middle of right now that we kind of put a pause on for Father's Day. We're talking about the shameless life. We talked last week that guilt says, uh, I'm guilty, I was wrong of that. But, uh, and what I did was bad. But shame says, I am bad, that's why I always do that, right? Well, that kind of shame tries to come on every young person and probably every middle-aged person, probably every old person. And so we have to train our children, uh, no, shame does not belong to you. Yeah, you make mistakes, but those should never be allowed to define you or to be the last word on your life or to be the impression or the stamp uh, that is seared into your conscience. No, I made a mistake. Father, I ask you to forgive me. So-and-so, I ask you to forgive me. And it's a genuine forgiveness so that I become, let myself become conscious of the fact and the reality what I did hurt someone else. And I apologize for that. And I'm going to turn away from that and I'm going to go a different direction. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I understand that that had an effect that was bad and it was my fault. I didn't act out of the fruit of the Spirit. I didn't let what God put in me um, flow through me. I did it on my own and I got the, the fruit of those results, which is not good. And I apologize. That type of an apology uh, and that type of asking for forgiveness does something in the core of a human being that is necessary for someone to be um, healthy and strong and really for God to flow through them. Because you know how I love Mark 11:22 22 through 25. 
Well, look at verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. Aught means any little thing, even the smallest little thing against anyone. But if you continue on in the verse, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you. You see, God has already uh, forgiven us, but we receive that forgiveness when we confess our sins as a believer. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. As a non-believer, when we say, you know what, uh, I'm repenting of my ways. In other words, I'm turning to Jesus, so I have to turn away from everything else to turn to Jesus. And I'm going to receive what he did for me. The forgiveness, not, but not just the forgiveness, the cleansing, complete removal of my sins because he did that. And so um, we have to teach ourselves and young people to genuinely from your heart forgive so that God can flow through your life so that his blessing that Jesus already paid the price for has access to you because uh, your sins has separated you from the Lord, right? And when you stand praying, forgive that your Father may forgive you. So, uh, you know, we're to show mercy so mercy can be shown to us. And so our life as a believer is really just given up to Christ, let him live through us. And so we train our children in the nurture. In other words, I, I am feeding you, helping you, strengthening you, protecting you, nurturing, and the admonition of the Lord. And as a, as a father, sometimes we don't engage. Second Timothy uh, chapter 2 verse 25 says in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves if peradventure God would grant them repentance in other words to be able to think of whoa wake up and realize I'm going this direction I need to go a different direction go towards Christ and recover themselves from the snare of the devil the word recover there in the margin of my Bible says it's the Greek word awake and so we have to awake and engage in the lives of our children. You can't just expect someone else gonna train them. The Bible says that that is the responsibility of the parents to train the children. And so you have to engage in the life of your children. It will not happen automatically. You cannot let the major influence on their life be social media, um, internet, uh, television, uh, public school, uh, Christian school, even the church. The primary influence uh, is that the parents, the biblical uh, example is the parents are to train the children. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 says, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Children are such a blessing. Blessed is the man, if you read on in verse uh, one, chapter 127, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. In other words, quivers where you have arrows, you keep the arrows. The children are like arrows from the Lord, and you are blessed when your um, sack for arrows is full. So children are a blessing from the Lord. The world will tell you, you know, well, sometimes the, world, the children will get in your way. You know, China says you can only have one child. No, children are a blessing from the Lord. Blessed is the one that has them. And you might have children. Maybe you have a lot of children or a few children. And, you know, children uh, are a lot of work. And uh, children are one of the best ways I know to experience training for yourself to not be self-centered. <laughs> and so children 
are a lot of work, but they are what God says they are. They are a blessing from the Lord. They are a heritage from the Lord. Let me read um, a couple translations, I believe I put them here, of Psalm 127. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. That's amplified. Message says, don't you see? Children are God's best gift. The fruit of the womb is his generous legacy. So you actually, with children, you get a heritage from God himself. And if you're just like, man, these kids are always wearing me out. Oh, these kids are so challenging. Oh, these kids are, they don't listen to me. And, and you let those feelings or those thoughts uh, be the last word on it, well, you're going to have a really tough time with your children. But if you say what God says, children are a blessing from the Lord, like, man, aren't these kids great? Isn't it awesome to have these children? You know what? You'll actually begin to believe it because it's the Word and it has power and it is so true. Children are such a blessing. But no, you can't just do anything you want to do all the time if you have children. You have to give up your own uh of rights and your own things for the sake of those that you're directing your love towards to help train them and nurture them. And it is such an awesome experience and such an awesome blessing. Let's finish out uh, real quick here with uh, Psalm 127. And I want to give you, in the New Living Translation, I want to read the whole psalm. Sometimes we read it for other purposes, but really the context of this psalm is in the home. So listen to this and think of, think of training your children. Got a little ant there crawling, killing it. Okay, praise the Lord. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless to work so hard from early morning until late night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to the ones he loves. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. So just listen to this pattern. It's, this is all of chapter 127 of the Bible, New Living Translation. Listen to this pattern of a godly home. That unless the Lord builds that home, unless the Lord builds that house, uh, King James says we labor in vain that build it. In other words, if you're trying to be the best daddy you can be in your own power and your own strength, you may work and work and work and work and work. And then all of a sudden, uh, the end of your kids' lives, or you know, as they're older, when they're no longer at home, uh, you find out it was all in vain because except the Lord build the house. In other words, this is your ticket to freedom as a parent, that you look to the Lord and He has already provided the supply, the tangible supply of all of the wisdom that you need to train your children, the words that you need, the examples that you need, how to effectively spend uh, time with them so that you're, you're with them. You know, they don't stop aging just like you and I don't stop aging. So if you don't make a decision today 
that today I'm spending time with my children. And if you happen to be apart from your children right now, uh, maybe you're out of town or you're some other place, that as soon as I get back, I am going to spend some quality time with my children. Well, you maybe never will do it because tomorrow never comes. It's always tomorrow. What are you doing today? What's your decision today? So you can write them a letter today. Uh, you can give them a call today. You can put into their lives today. It is so important. You want those children to grow up right. God has anointed you and gifted you and graced you with all of the supply that you need in order to give them what they need, that you can nurture them and nourish them uh, in the admonition of the Lord. That you can say, this is what God says, this is the way to do it. That you just make a decision to declare over your house. Other people may do other things. You know, uh, Joshua was talking to the, the Hebrew children. They're looking back like to how Egypt did things and different people did th these things. And they served other gods. They let, you know, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Well, over there in, um, I think it's Joshua 27, you know, uh, Joshua said, other people may have other gods, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so you just make that decision and make that declaration over your family. Hey guys, let's get together. Uh, I apologize. We've been kind of distracted, focused on other things. We love you so much. As for me and this house, we will serve the Lord. This is who we are. And we don't have to do it in our own strength, except the Lord build the house. They labor and vade that build it. And as a father, you, you have such a protecting instinct, really, that God gave you. And then he says in the next half of verse 1, unless the Lord protects, uh, guarding it with, with uh, soldiers will do no good. So in other words, you have to look to the Lord for your um, how to build the house. You have to look to the Lord for your provision of protection. Um, otherwise, it's useless. And, and verse 2 says it's useless to work so hard from morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to the ones that He loves. And so, again, um, men many times are like identify with their job, first of all. We should identify with Christ, but I understand I'm a man. You identify with your job and you're like, oh, and you're like, well, okay, to show love to my family, I'm going to work more, get a bigger house, get a bigger car, do all this, do all that. But before you know it, by the time you get it, they're gone. And what they really want is you. They want dad to hug them, love them, roll on the ground with them, play with them, uh, be an input into their life. They love you and they want to be with you. And it's useless to go and do all of that um, and not understand God loves you, He gives rest to you so that you can be a father to your children, you can participate in their life, you can have a significant part of their life because what happened yesterday is gone and it's over and it's just a memory of the past. But you have today and maybe, maybe you're, you're of full age Maybe you're even an older age. Maybe you didn't do that when they were young. Maybe you got distracted, let other uh, people take the place of your children. Maybe let uh, your job take the place of your children. Maybe you were stressed out all the time so you weren't really there for them. Maybe you battled with depression. Whatever it was, don't let another day go by but what that you take. The greatest ministry that we have as a believer is first of all to our families. 
And we have not only a, uh, a ministry to our families, but we have a responsibility to our families. And in Timothy's family, in the, in the, in the, in the book of Timothy, books of Timothy, we find that Timothy's grandmother had a genuine faith in God. And Timothy's mother had a genuine faith in God. And that they passed that genuine faith and trust in God down to their son, Timothy. So much so that Paul said, I see that you don't have a fake faith. You're not just saying one thing and doing another, but you're serious about this. This is real to you. This is how you live. And I see that it was in your grandmother and your mother, and now I am persuaded is in you as well. So we can and should and have the joy of passing our faith on to the next generation that no matter what they're going through, you know, maybe they just hauled off and hit their brother or sister in the face. Maybe they tripped them. Maybe they yelled at them. Maybe they lied. Um, I'm not saying my kids have ever done any of these things. Okay. But I'm just saying if they had. Well, you can't be like, oh, how could you do that? Do you know when the devil tempts you to do something and you actually give into it that, you know, what's the saying? You know, he puts his foot out and trips you and then blames you on it that you fell. Well, when, when you make a mistake, you already know you made the mistake. And if you come down on them and like, how dare you? Are you some kind of idiot? Well, they already feel like an idiot. So now the authoritative figure that God has put in their life to nurture them and admonish them, not to guilt them and admonish them, is now fulfilling the role of the enemy. That is not... Um, uh, nurturing them with the fruit of the Spirit, uh, that's really getting uh, your mouth hooked up with the thoughts of the enemy, maybe even your own fears about your children. Have faith in God. Don't let the devil or your own weaknesses define or cap what your, the training that your godly training your children can receive. Boy, when we open up to God, He has given us His own nature. So you can train your children with the same nature that God, our Heavenly Father, has. And I want to I wanna, um, read to you uh, Carpenter's translation of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15. He said, I kneel on the hard floor of my little chamber and I send up my thoughts, the thoughts of my heart, to the great Father of all. I summon up my recollections of my own Father and what I have known of your homes and all the happy homes where I've ever been a guest. And I multiplied a thousand, no, 10,000 fold. And I enriched the conception of all that I can imagine of what fatherhood must mean in heaven. Think about that for a second. Any happy home you've ever been a part, he said. What does that mean? Well, a home where a father is, is standing in his God-given role of a godly father. That he's not just letting them get away with everything. Love is discerning. Uh, you know, that you, you have discipline, but it is a loving discipline. It is not an accusatory discipline. It's a coming beside and lifting up. Think about that and then multiply that. He's like a thousand. No, I'm thinking about it more 10,000 times. And think what fatherhood must mean in heaven. In other words, the, the, the master mold from which all fatherhood is poured and cast in heaven is God himself.
think about what all what fatherhood must mean and then I say oh father right I come like that so the more that you allow that mold to be reimprinted on the face of your life think about your children coming to you and say oh daddy I just want to tell you I love you or oh daddy I made a big mistake you want to have an environment that you are the one that they tell their secrets to, that they come to, that they know, I don't know, I know I might have made a mistake, but I know if I come to my daddy, he is going to have open arms and he is going to love me. And I know when I'm, when I'm asking my dad a question, he, he might not be perfect at it, but he will say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry, like I did with my wife. Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Uh, what were you saying? I want to, I, I want to know what you're saying. So I'm not just going to do that to, by, uh, can you follow me? So I'm not just going to do that by standing up and saying, oh, honey, I'm going to come down with them and I'm going to say, hey, what's happening in your life? Like lay on the floor with them and see life from their perspective, both physically and mentally. Like see like, oh, what they're going through. I remember when I was going through that. I remember there were challenges. You take just five minutes a day with each of your children and you're actually there with them engaging your, your relationship with your children will flourish and they will be able to um, get to know you and you'll be able to get to know them and that will create such a bond and such a special place between you and them that only God could do, only God could um, cause that closeness to come. And you know, just if you've made mistakes in the past, you've broken trust, just ask, act on the word Ask, him to, ask God to forgive you, ask them to forgive you genuinely from your heart and just re-engage. And like I said, if you're older, maybe you haven't done it. If you have to move across the country, you can find a way in the will of God to restore some of the years that you, know, you stole or the devil stole. stole. Don't just pretend like nothing ever happened. Uh, you know, toughen up, you are a man, act like what you are and just say, you know what? Be willing to hear, well, Dad, you weren't here. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. I understand, and that was wrong of me, and I apologize, and I want to be here now if you'll let me do it. And if they don't let you, just say, that's fine. Just know I'm always here. If you need me, I will drop everything, and I will come, and, and I, 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 wanna, I want to redeem the time that the devil stole and that maybe I made a mistake and got distracted. So no matter where you're at, if your children are still at home, boy, you take that time. Uh, you, you give God first place, uh, your wife and your children, your family next, and your job after that, everything else after that, your church after that. You First of all, you invest your faith into your children, your time into your children. You might not have a lot of it, but make sure that you're diligent to at least, at least spend some of it, what you can do on it. You can, you can not do some of the other distractions and do that, and you will satisfy a hunger in their lives that only a godly father could fill. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the best example of the father of all fathers, of the leader of all leaders, of the lover of all lovers. Father, I thank you that you have put within us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of your son, Jesus. Father, I pray a special prayer right now for every father that's listening, no matter if they have a brand newborn baby or if they are 
in their 90s or hundreds and have grown children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Father, I pray for every one of us that what your word that's been spoken today, Father, that we won't just let it go in one ear and out the other, but that we will be hearers and doers of your word. That in every heart, Father, now turning to you, that you'll give us tangible things that we can wrap our um, spirits and minds around and, and grasp and understand like, oh, this is what I can do. Uh, that you'll give every father uh, God ideas, your ideas, uh, God words, your words, that, that, that you'll give us wisdom for how to effectively manage our time, that we can uh, have the place that our children need in their lives, that you've ordained and anointed us to fulfill in their lives. And Father, we thank you so much that you are our supply and that you love us beyond what any natural father could love us. But Father, I thank you for your love flowing in and through every natural father to our natural children, our spiritual children, our adoptive children. Father, we thank you for fatherhood and the, the place of authority and structure in the family. And we, Father, I lift up this nation to you. Father, I pray for a return of the hearts of the fathers to your heart and to your presence and to your word. Father, that godly families would be multiplied in this nation, that there would be a heritage, that you have a heritage, Father, of godly parenting with godly children on the earth to fulfill your plan and your desires. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, maybe you're watching today and maybe you're like, I, I don't even know the Lord. How could I be a godly father? Or yeah, I want to do that, but I mess up every time I try and I don't want to hear it again and I don't want to deal with it. You know what? Until you give your heart to Jesus, your life to Jesus, you'll just be trying to do a formally, form of godliness and have no power in it. You may be uh, ha understand something about some religious things and I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do that, and it's just too hard. That is an indication right there that you're not doing it in the power and the strength of God because Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. And so the way that you do that is you, you got to start all over <laughs> and you got to, you know, you should just like um, start life over and just get born again, right? So be born a second time. What is that? Well, Jesus talked about that. He said, you have to be born from above because you can't do these things by just being born from your natural mother and you have to be born from above. And the way you do that is you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he is your Lord. When you do that from your heart, the Bible says you will be saved, that you get a brand new life, a brand new nature. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, that's talking about mankind, men and women. In, the, in, in Genesis, it says he made them man, male and female, you know, so it's all mankind. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you'd like to pray that prayer, I want you to make a decision right now in just a few seconds. I want you to make a decision and we're going to pray a prayer. I want you to right now to think about your life. What's the condition of your heart? What's happening in your heart? If you looked at the end of your life right now, if you continue going that direction, where are you going to be? Are you going to be satisfied with what you've done in life? Are you leading in a godly way? Are, are, are you full of godly character? There is such satisfaction. It goes beyond the satisfaction any amount of money and any job could have, any location could have, or any person could give you, unless that person is Jesus. 
right? He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. And he is awesome. And so if you'd like to pray that prayer, in three seconds, I'm going to clap my hands and I want you to make that decision. All right, if you've made that decision, pray this prayer after me from your heart. Say, oh God, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for my sins to take him away from me, to forgive me of my sins. And I receive that forgiveness right now. And I believe that you raised him from the dead so I could be right with you. So that I don't have to live to be close to you by what I do but that I am close to you because of what Jesus did. Jesus, I take you right now as my Lord, as my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for you every day. I thank you, Father, that I am now your child, that you're now my Father, and that I am a part of your family. I'm born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank God. It is an awesome day. When you receive Christ, uh, your slate has been wiped clean. You've got a fresh start in life, and uh, you've got a fresh start with your children. And so now you actually have a love that you can love them with that will satisfy the hunger of their hearts.